Welcome to our Jelmy Podcast, Global Operations on the Go. Today we continue our series on the transformation journey. Our guest, Eric Green, Vice President at Dalmia, and Fred Thomas, Strategic Business Development and Marketing Director at Dalmia, will pick up with Notes 3, Key Considerations in Planning and Executing Your Transformation Strategy. Let's listen in. Thanks, Therese. Hi, Eric. Thanks for joining me again and sharing your ideas in our transformation journey discussion. Well, Fred, I look forward to these discussions because I think they're relevant in today's business and the industries that our customers are in and looking forward to covering the topic today. Great. So we've outlined seven key considerations in our latest research note on planning and executing your transformation strategy. So let's talk about these. Clearly, surveys and studies cited in this research note indicate the difficulty in transforming manufacturing. Are you surprised at the results? Honestly, I'm not. Uh, what's interesting is the level of research that we found from analysts and consulting companies that have done a lot of work in looking at how companies are transforming. And the studies that are associated with that have clearly told us that transformation is hard. We've seen that firsthand with our customers and what they're going through. Um, but you know, part of this research note in this series, one of the things we're trying to do is highlight some of those considerations and learnings that as companies transform, you know, what they should be on the lookout for and how to address some of those topics. And hopefully by doing so, we can help them, you know, make the transformation a little bit easier. So when we reference the word transformation, are, are we strictly talking about digitalization of manufacturing? We're not. We're talking actually about transformation of the business. Digitalization of manufacturing is really just, you know, digitizing elements that were traditionally either manual or disparate. And what we're talking about here is transforming the business, which includes a much broader set of constructs. And we outline these in research note one. We see that there are basically seven elements. But it goes well beyond just digitalization. I mean, we're talking about the incorporation and doing it in the context of business processes, for example, and many other pieces to this. So in this research note, the title, as we said, is Key Considerations in Planning and Executing Your Transformation Strategy. We talk about um, considerations and learnings. Um, can you just explain a little more how we're using those terms in this research note? Sure. Any company that works with partners like we do and where we're helping companies implement solutions to solve problems, whether as part of a small initiative or a much larger transformation strategy, you know, there are things that we have gleaned from these exercises that we think are key considerations. And they have a, an impact on the success or failure of companies as they transform. And this research note dives into the detail on the different considerations that we believe are important and some new considerations that we're seeing evolve uh, with the changes in business today. You know, things that maybe two, three, maybe five years ago weren't necessarily relevant or exist, but they do today because of the speed or the dynamic within the business. Uh, that's great. The, the, you know, there's, there's going to be so much application of this out in industry, I think, for those that uh, are listening. So let's talk about 2020. It was a challenging year for everyone, uh, including manufacturers. 
you know, we're starting to hear the, the term new normal. But was 2020 really that different for those in, in manufacturing? That's a great question. Everybody talks about the new normal, and, and obviously the pandemic had an effect on last year, and still is having an a pandemic. Is still having an effect on business this year, um, and will it be in the foreseeable future? But at the end of the day, it's just one of many events through time that have affected manufacturers. You know, other events we can reference that have affected manufacturing is the financial crisis in 2008, uh, which affected the the companies based in the U.S. and, and, and those associated industries and markets. Um, we, there's also events such as Fukushima earthquake. You know, that affected the automotive supply chain and those suppliers that were and companies that were working in Japan. So you know, every so often there's some disruptive event, whether it's geopolitical, whether it's macroeconomic, or some, you know, in the case of Fukushima, you know, they say is an act of God that has an effect on business, and manufacturers have to contend with those disruptions. Uh, so, is this a new normal, you know, based upon last year's pandemic, potentially? But is it truly a new normal? I would contend that it's the next normal, because in two years, or in six months, or in five years. There's going to be something else that affects manufacturers that they have to contend with, and those companies that have the ability to work through that disruption most effectively uh, are the ones that are going to have the most success. So then you've probably picked up some learnings, not only from, I'll say, the pandemic uh, of the past year, but even some of the extraordinary events of the past. Can you share some of those learnings that you know might affect the ability of companies that are transforming or should be transforming? Well, there's two that are obvious, and everybody's talking and writing about them, and that's one is agility and the need for, and second is resiliency. Um, so one, having the ability to pivot quickly and adjust to market conditions. The other one's having the processes and the fortitude of the business structure to be able to handle disruptions and changes. So they're very closely related. But within that construct, what we're also seeing is that as companies transform, there are things that have to be deployed and utilized that are new um, with regard to you know, how they're going about transforming their business. You know, for example, new governance models and how they go about changing their business or attacking new business opportunities. Uh, looking at you know, how to measure payback and ROI, that's being revisited because there are some things that I would call our table stakes that may not necessarily have a direct short-term uh, ROI, but are critical to establishing that foundation for having a change-ready type business. And so these are just a couple of the learnings, and we've highlighted, I think, seven considerations in the research note that uh, we describe and talk about throughout the document. Great. So let's talk about the transformation initiatives, and are they all created equal? Should we assume that everyone or every company is using the same playbook in making transformation a priority at this point? I don't think so. I, what we're seeing is that depending upon the company and the industry, you know, they're taking different approaches and they're all successful in their own right. Uh, there's not one playbook. and 
that is key because you know the company's culture may be different than others the company size their markets and their business models may be different but what what's really interesting is that you know this is happening in multitude of different ways and there's some common themes and threads that we see with the companies that are transforming so you know for example you know, through our work and and pulling together some analyst data that we found is that you know those companies that look and modify their business processes in addition to adopting technology based upon approaching new markets or trying to manufacture new products and goods for a new market or a market segment uh, are going to have a higher probability of success as opposed to if you said you know, if you will you know just you know automating existing processes today um, or automating a bad process that sounds pretty obvious, but the reality is when this propagates across an organization, you get down into the manufacturing operations and things that take place with manufacturing operations, that can be a challenge. Those companies that embrace those challenges are having a higher probability of success and are seeing their businesses grow. I can think of two companies today that are our customers that are um, in one industry that shifted because of the events of 2020 and the pandemic. Uh, whereas one of their business channels and business streams has become much more challenging, but another business stream that they have actually opened up and created opportunities for them and their ability to you know, adjust their business processes to support manufacturing of those products to that new channel has allowed them to take market share and still grow their business without you know, having the negative effects of the challenges associated with their, I'm going to use the word legacy, channel of providing goods and services. So then when we think about it, uh, manufacturing transformation, as we're talking about it, really fits within the corporate strategy, or at least it should. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the corporate strategy is obviously outlined by the C-suite, and that's focused on you know, how the company and the stakeholders are going to serve their customers, support their ecosystem with sustainability initiatives, and to provide a more sustainable environment for their ecosystem and their corporate responsibilities, and then last but not least, what they're doing for their shareholders to help you know improve the to the benefit of their shareholders. So to do that, many of these initiatives align to that corporate strategy, and the success of these initiatives and this transformation that these companies are taking part in are clearly aligned to their ability to put in place new processes and new approaches to either serving their existing customers or to capture new markets and with new products and services. And by doing so, you know, they're able to you know, fulfill those objectives of that corporate strategy. Excellent. So let's move on to everybody's favorite subject, payback and ROI. And I say that tongue-in-cheek just because most teams always start out and going, gosh, we just can't get the number we're looking for. So when we talk about transformation, it kind of indicates a big, long project. So the ROI numbers really have to be huge, don't they? That's a great question. And this is a discussion that is debated around executive tables and financial meetings and C-suite in every company today. And we're seeing this firsthand. What we found and what we're seeing with companies that are transforming in ways that they're looking at it, and you know, one of the key things that we have identified is 
that the whole way payback is measured should be reevaluated. Yes, there is a need for an ROI. Yes, there is a need for a payback. But some of the fundamental principles that the ROI and payback have been put in place by some of, some of the companies that we've been exposed to and working with, uh, there's some fundamental foundational elements that aren't being addressed properly. So, you know, for example, one of the things we highlight in Research Note 1 is data and data management. Well, in, in the world of manufacturing and supply chain, you know, the data is key, and as we all know, it you know, the insights that you can capture from data are fundamentally important to the ability to drive that change and transform that business, um, and help you understand which business processes could be changed, what new approaches can be taken to deliver, make, and produce products and services for new markets. Well, it's still critically important that that foundational element of data is managed and put in place in a manner that is consistent across the enterprise and the, the supporting supply base and stakeholders. And what we're finding is that there are still significant gaps in the data, and both in the in the quality of the data, meaning you know how do you define you know what a specific you know, manufacturing data element might be and how it's measured. Um, as well as gaps in the av availability of that data, where information is not being captured, and we're seeing this in the construct of, you know, the all the IoT projects that spun up over the last few years, is that they capture a lot of data, but a lot of the data is out of context, or it's not the right right data, and it's very siloed. You know, they didn't actually capture data related to the business process, and so the combination of those factors highlights the fact that there's a foundational element with data management that's required, and that's really hard to measure ROI and value on data management uh, outside of the IT and the administrative burden function that it takes to you know, put those processes in place and put those systems and tools in place to manage the data. Obviously, a platform approach addresses that, and of course, with the systems and our 3D experience platform, that's a big plus, but you know, going beyond having the, the platform, you know, there are things that the organizations and these companies, IT departments, along with the uh, operational technology departments, have to, to put in place to fill in the gaps where that data doesn't exist. And standardizing that is extremely important. But again, you know, that's the foundational success to drive some of these initiative changes. And if you don't have that foundation in place, it doesn't matter what your ROI is because you're going to fail before or you're not going to meet the ROI objectives or payback objectives because you're going to spend all your time trying to get the data structure in place and the, and the data elements in place so that you can actually do some of these initiatives and, and drive some of the process changes that are required. So it sounds like we really should be breaking up what used to be the, the big, huge projects into much smaller, more iterative approaches, uh, which a lot of people refer to as the agile methodologies. Is that correct? I think so. Um, what we're seeing today is the speed of change that's taking place in businesses, as well as some of the things I just talked about with the data. With the agile methodology, you have the ability to move quickly and decompose large problems in a manner that you can create small successes and wins. And you can measure the ROI successfulness of, of those elements of an agile methodology much more easily than you can a large 
waterfall type initiative or waterfall type project. Moreover, it gives you the opportunity to pivot when you realize that something was missed in an earlier stage of the project. And I say missed, that's not necessarily a bad thing. What I'm talking about is maybe the business changes because of a disruption like we saw last year, or maybe because there's an opportunity to um, take advantage of some new manufacturing equipment or manufacturing processes that we're seeing more and more with additive manufacturing that maybe wasn't considered in a previous Agile step. Having an Agile methodology allows you to go back and, and make those adjustments while at the same time still making progress moving forward, and you can measure those. And many times the measure of success uh, comes down to beyond just the financial measure, but also the qualitative measures of, of process efficiency, process adoption by the organization and the people, and also uh, other areas. They're as important, or if not more important, but they're more difficult to measure. So, for example, um, the the human experience of the worker, and that involves everything from their involvement in managing their activities in, in the manufacturing shop floor to their safety and wellness. And you know those are all different elements that can be accounted for. Sounds like most teams then should make sure that they've really sat down with their financial organizations, their even their executive suite, made sure that everybody's aligned on how we're going to measure payback. Um, because it sounds like we could be doing it a little differently going forward versus how we've done it in the past. Uh, I would agree. I think in any transformation initiative and, and as any company transforms, I think it's important to have the communication. We highlighted this in the other research notes across all the stakeholders so expectations are set properly because there's going to be gaps and there's going to be you know areas within the organization between factories or between production lines or between the different supply chains, the products and goods that are produced with these companies that are going to vary because they're all not equal and as such Understanding that, understanding what's required to get them to a baseline and improve, uh, having that expectation set so that people understand is extremely important. And it also ensures that uh, you have a common approach of looking at the business and recognizing that they're different. You know, using you know, we've used the car analogy in the past and in our previous discussions. You, know, you don't, if you're looking at the new C8 Corvette, for example, you're going to evaluate differently than you might evaluate a Ford Bronco, for example, uh, because they have different products, different services, different different intentions. It's the same way for any manufacturer with the goods and services that they're providing to their customers. Those those manufacturing facilities that support those different products and the supply chains that provide parts and services to support those products may have different levels of maturity as we highlighted in research note two or a different level of completeness of the seven elements as we highlighted in research note number one and as such they need to be managed through the agile methodology differently okay but that brings up an interesting question that comes from the research note itself. And I noticed uh, there was a comment that transformation is both top-down and bottom-up. Can you go into that a little bit more? I think a trend that we're seeing, especially with uh, the younger generation of, of workers and people in the workplace, is their desire to make an impact. And many innovative ideas come from that group because they grew up in an age of technology. Uh, so in addition to having your traditional 
top-down corporate initiatives or transformation initiatives to go address a new market or to change your business, there is significant evidence that shows that at the lowest level, there's significant opportunities for innovation and change that can lead to transformation coming from today's workers and embracing that human experience for those workers and facilitating that change and whatever transformation that might result from those ideas uh, that those workers provide um, can be very meaningful to not only the individuals and employees that are involved but also the bigger organization because they can have a you know, using financial terminology, a material impact on the business that can be very, very positive. That's great. We both know, uh, based on our experience, governance is so key in this type of initiative. What's the governance model look like? for something that's so strategic as this and, and really so important to the company? Well, a lot of times governments has historically been looked at in the context of the success of the project, you know, pulling the stakeholders that are involved, you know, who's the, who's the customer of the project, what's being changed, and it, it includes a combination of OT and IT individuals uh, different and, and a matrixed group of individuals based upon their role. That's still extremely important. Uh, because let's face it, we're talking about changing business processes, you're talking about changing business methods and everything associated with that. But in addition, we're also finding that there has to be an approved or new governance approach for, you know, simply put, uh, data and technology. And as, you know, especially you look at the data and the growing amount of data that's becoming available, um, you know, how to put that data to use. As I said earlier, you know, many companies still don't have the data that they need to make some of these informed decisions in their factories because their factories are still a, I'm going to use the word a data tomb, which is a term that's been around for a while. They're generating data, but they can't pull the data out to make informed decisions, uh, or they're missing the data um, completely because they're not capturing it. Well, you know, you look at a manufacturer who has 30 or 75 plants, that becomes a compounding problem. And so, when you're capturing that data and you're looking to measure uh, the data associated with those pieces of equipment or with those manufacturing processes across all those plants, you need to have a governance approach so that you can have a, a common way of utilizing that data to help drive your transformation, and that's extremely important. So it's both you know governance around the initiatives themselves and the business processes and the changes that are required both within the business process but also culturally, but also the underlying data that might be used to help drive the decision support in those activities. Great. Um, let's talk for a minute about transformation and technology. We hear so much about IoT and, and kind of playing with it to find value. And transformation sounds so much deeper. Can you share your thoughts on this a little bit? Is, is new technology adoption by itself transforming? I think the misnomer is, and what a lot of companies do is looking at, at new technology is, you know, is the silver bullet thing that can help change my business. What we need to recognize is that technology can be an enabler if it's used in the proper context. And we've seen this, and this is highlighted in the research notes, and not only from what we've put together in our research notes, but also from other analyst reports like um, LNS Research, for example, where they've highlighted that you know these IIoT or IoT projects 
not in the context of business process, haven't been successful. Um, and that's not surprising, honestly, because you're looking at data uh, without a full understanding of the implications of that data across a business process that that might have bearing on something that's you know five or six steps removed from that actual data set. And so you don't have that linkage between the cause and the effect. And so what we're seeing is that while technology plays an important role, and having the ability to leverage a platform is extremely important. But some of these other technologies like you know, IoT um, and machine learning and AI, they need to be put and used in context. And if they're not done properly, then you're going to have what I call science projects where you get some great information, you might find some really interesting results, but you can't apply it across the broader uh, business and manufacturing processes at large. And that's, you know, technology plays a key role, but the, the, it needs to be done in the context of the business processes and looking at, you know, what you're really trying to accomplish. And, you know, so for example, um, would that be going after a new geographical market? Is that trying to open up a new market in a new set of industry segments that you're targeting with new products and services? Or, you know, leveraging an innovation that you have to capture market share in your existing channel? You know, technology plays a role in that, but the bigger, broader business objective and how you approach those activities is the most important element. And then applying the technology and then applying the business process and the culture and the change come together to make that effective. Great. This has been really interesting, Eric. We've come to the end of our time. Clearly, we've found some very insightful considerations and shared the learnings. Why don't you just wrap up for us with uh, your final thoughts? Uh, on transformation maturity and and the considerations that our listening audience should take away from this. I'd be happy to. We started the research note series in response and, and working with our customers to help provide some insight from our organization working across a wide array of customers, across a wide array of industries and geographies. Combining that with was you know publicly available research from different analysts and you know, research notes one we cover the different elements um, the seven elements associated with that in research note two we talk about the four levels of maturity that we've identified and proposed here in research note three is if you look at what we're seeing it's really focused on as companies transform what are some of the observations that we're seeing and some key considerations and and some findings that might help our customers and, and companies at large not make the same mistakes or to be able to facilitate their transformation faster by having a little bit more insight to the repercussions associated with these considerations. And as we move into research note four, you know, given what we've talked about in research notes one through three, in research note four we're going to be highlighting some areas where we believe that companies can start to capture some of that value using an agile methodology and approach and based upon their maturity and based upon what they have in place with those seven elements, where and how they can get started in transforming their business if they haven't already started, or consider a new way to capture um, more value in their existing transformation process. So research note three here highlights the considerations and some of the key learnings and you know, look forward to research note four when we highlight and speak about where and how to go about capturing some value in different areas. Great. Thanks, Eric. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Fred. Always enjoy the conversation. 
Thank you, Rick and Fred, for continuing the conversation on the transformation journey. I'm Therese Snow, and thank you for listening to Globe Operations on the Go.